Support for Milledgeville Matters comes from Georgia College, Georgia's public liberal arts university, providing the experience students would expect from a private college with the affordability of a public university. For more information, gcsu.edu. Thank you for tuning in to Milledgeville Matters and WRGC 88.3 FM. I'm your host, Daniel McDonald. On November 2nd, in the weeks leading up to it, City of Milledgeville residents will return to the polls to select their representatives for City Council. Although all six seats on Council and the Mayor's office are up for re-election, only two districts have competitive races on the ballot this cycle. Tonight, we'll hear from District 5 City Council Challenger Jessica McQuain. Milledgeville's 5th Council District straddles the Martin Luther King Drive and includes portions of Carrington Woods, Legacy Mills, Leo Court, and Pendale neighborhoods in the downtown historic district. I talked with Jessica last week and asked her the same set of questions we'll pose to all the candidates this year. Tonight, we'll hear Jessica's entire interview. 5th District incumbent Richard Mullins declined to participate in this candidate interview. In the coming days, we'll post recordings of tonight's program to our website, social media, and SoundCloud page. We've got a lot to talk about, so let's begin our program with 5th District candidate Jessica McQuain. Jessica Jess McQuain is a field organizer for the United Campus Workers of Georgia. She also operates a wedding planning and officiating business. She is a candidate running in the November general election for the 5th District seat on the Milledgeville City Council against incumbent Richard Mullins. Jess McQuain, thank you for joining me today on Milledgeville Matters. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. It is my pleasure to host. To start off our conversation, I just want to ask you the question of why did you declare your candidacy for the 5th District seat on the Milledgeville City Council? Well, I've been thinking a lot um, in the past year or so about how I can serve my community and how I can lend my skills to help my neighbors and to help the city that I love uh, continue to grow and continue to be the best place it can be for all residents and businesses. So um, I was wondering if anyone else would run and waiting to see if there would be a candidate um, with a fresh perspective that I could support. And when one didn't come forward, I talked to my family, I spoke with some trusted friends and decided to put my name forward. Um, going back to the fifth grade, I've been uh, running for, you know, offices like president of the 4-H and president of the 8th grade class and I would really like to be able to bring um, a young perspective and um, a new perspective to the council. And you mentioned in that last response uh, some of the roots of your um, decision to uh, have a public life and offer yourself for public service. Um, who or what inspired you to public service? And when you were elected to the Milledgeville City Council, uh, how do you uh, plan to carry that spirit forward? So the roots of my inspiration for public service are probably within 4-H. Going back to that pledge, I pledged my head to clearer thinking, you know, my hands to greater service, my heart to greater loyalty, and my health for better living. So for me, growing up in a really small town, there was a strong sense of community because we were all we had. And so my love for people, my love for the environment that people are a part of really pushed me to try to be a leader um, and try to be an advocate for those who are perhaps not being listened to or being overlooked or being silenced even. So if I were elected to the city council, I would continue to try to listen to people and try to serve as a, a humble leader who um, is open to input, who's truly weighing the, the outcomes and all the potential 
um, you know, secondary outcomes that, that may happen um, kind of piggybacking off of something. So for me, the chance to serve on city council would be a chance to just show up and be accountable to people and try to think really critically and really deeply about the decisions that we make now and how they're going to play out 5, 10, 20, 50 years from now and who is going to be impacted by those decisions. On this edition of Millage of Matters, you're listening to a candidate interview with Jessica McQuain, who is running for the 5th District seat on the Milledgeville City Council. Incumbent Richard Mullins declined participation in this candidate interview. Advanced voting for the 2021 municipal election began Tuesday, October 12th and continues through Friday, October 29th at the Baldwin County Government Center, which is located at 1601 North Columbia Street. Saturday voting will occur on October 16th and 23rd. For more information about advanced and election day voting, you can contact the Baldwin County Board of Registrars at 478-445-4526. We'll be back in a moment with more of our conversation with Milledgeville City Council candidate Jessica McQuain. can we do to improve people's opinions, both current residents and those who reside elsewhere, about our Milledgeville Baldwin County community? So I think to improve people's opinions um, involves really being honest and being open to communicate with them, to take that time to hear, you know, what is it that that is lacking, um, but also taking the time to listen to what is it that we've got right? What is it that we do have that you know gives us hope? And how can we multiply and build on top of the, the great things that we do have in our community, like an abundance of beautiful, beautiful natural spaces for people to come together and be outside and um, you know, be mindful of the ecosystem that we're all living in. I think part of improving people's opinions and perceptions um, includes getting young people involved and kind of addressing the the sense that people may have that there's not a young generation who cares, because there is. There is a population of young people who have ideas and who would love to see um, new and creative ways for us to build the economy, for us to build opportunities for people to stick around and not feel like they have to move off to a bigger city to do you know, the kind of career that they would like to do. We have a wealth of educational institutions here. There are some great ideas um, getting hatched in those institutions and so building stronger connections between the educational organizations and institutions and the community and the folks who may never pursue that traditional kind of college education but who may very well have real life experience and practical knowledge to share um, kind of building towards a, a popular education um, kind of focus where we can really bring everyone together and talk about you know what are the what are the things that need to happen to improve and what are the things that need to be protected and need to be you know respected for um, the value that they do bring to our community so I think to improve people's opinions um, we've got to be making sure that everyone is able to share their opinions and, and their perspective on the situation as it stands. Is 
In your last response, you mentioned um, uh, the many young people who have their entire future ahead of them. Uh, You also mentioned our institutions of higher education uh, that we have uh, the advantage of having here in our community. In your opinion, what is the role in our community of the students who come to Milledgeville to take advantage of these institutions of higher education? Well, I did come as one of those students in 2012. I came from an extremely small town, which made Milledgeville look like Las Vegas. (laughs) So that was a different perspective than a lot of the students who come to Milledgeville. But I think that for anyone, no matter where you come from, Milledgeville is opening up as a home for you. So there's a respect that needs to take place there. There's infrastructure and resources that students are using. Um, And so having that respect and recognizing the graciousness and the hospitality of the longtime residents who aren't transient, who aren't planning to you know, spend a short time and then move on to their next path in life, having that respect is really important. And also for, for some students, um, Milledgeville becomes a home, a real, real home, not, not a temporary home. And so opening up those avenues for people to build relationships that aren't just within whatever college bubble they happen to be in is really important because we know that the census show we've lost some population and to keep our you know our um, city and our county sustainable and economically um, driven we need to have young people who are willing to to stay and willing to invest in some of the local um, community you know whether that's a a church group or a nonprofit group or the public school system and someone's getting involved with PTA or things like that there does need to be um, a, a way for young people to feel like oh okay there there could be an option for me if I don't want to move to to a big city or back where you know I grew up at so getting the message across at times to college students can be difficult because it is um, easy to get kind of in a bubble and and not think about the real impacts that your actions have on the people who are permanent residents, on the people who are paying into these taxes, who are paying to to keep up, you know, the sidewalks and the roads and um, to maintain the green spaces that so many students love to used for recreation. Um, so the role of students, I think, is to open their mind, right? The liberal arts education at Georgia College is all about broadening your horizons. Um, GMC, they've got a, a fantastic kind of community engagement piece. Their cadets are really phenomenal about getting involved. And Central Georgia Tech offers a really great chance for folks to, um, you know, expand their education and I know they work really closely with non-traditional students and dual enrollment students. So between the many, many different types of students and higher education professionals that we have, there's a really great chance for folks to share perspectives, to you know, engage in scholarship and research that could really lift us all up um, as long as, you know, people are remaining ethical and considering disparate impacts and making sure to actually listen to, you know, the folks that they're working with and never, never try to do anything on anyone's behalf, but really completely um, center their needs and, and their perspective in whatever project it is that's going on. How can we make civic life more accessible to our residents? Well, I think finding out the barriers that they're facing is the first step. 
is it a matter of just simply being unaware? You know, if you're not educated on the role of your city council and you're not really sure when they meet or what they do, engagement is going to be really low because there is a bit of an intimidation factor as well, I think. Um, if the issue is that the meeting times or event times are conflicting with people's work schedules, then we need to think about how can we try to open up that time to where more people are able to engage. Um, if the issue is lack of reliable Wi-Fi or internet access to log on and to check you know, where, where the minutes or the agenda were posted or to watch the recording, because we do have so much more access to you know, live stream and, and go Facebook Live with some of the um, city council meetings, county commission meetings. Um, that's great that we can live stream those things, but if people don't have Wi-Fi or they don't have data on their phones, then they're not going to be able to engage. So I think you know, trying to figure out what the barriers are and then recognizing some of the limitations that people have based on their material realities. If you're working two jobs and you're just barely squeaking by, then making it to the city council meeting might fall really low on your list of of trying to make ends meet for your family. What will you do in the next four years to help our different governing bodies break out of their silos and take a more holistic approach to building our community's future? Ooh, that's a great question. Um, I think it's really unfortunate that we don't work together more often um, in the various kinds of entities that we have. There, I think there's, there's got to be a, a healthy dose of humility and of being willing to um, admit that perhaps you were wrong or uninformed or, you know, spoke in anger or something, you know, just because we're all human, right? We make mistakes. So being able to say I made a mistake and not be driven by the pride or the need to be right is always a great place to start. Um, and then just, you know, continuously thinking and reminding yourself, as I do often in my work, we have shared goals. We have common, you know, desires. We, we all want Milledgeville and Baldwin County to be a great place to live, a great place to work and a great place to raise the next generation. So in finding the common ground and really just communicating openly about, you know, what is a goal that we can agree on, <laughs> that we can share. We might have different ideas about how to get there, but I think in that diversity and in that wealth of perspective, we can find strengths. But it is going to take a lot of trust building um, between, of course, elected officials, but also within the community. There's a healthy or perhaps unhealthy <laughs> dose of mistrust, um, you know, in, in our local community and, of course, much wider in, in many other communities as well. So for us to find those common goals and to work towards the shared priorities, um, we're going to have to really talk to people and get to know people and let them get to know, you know, us and and show that um, that we really want to meet, meet that goal of making this the best place that it can be instead of um, allowing, you know, rumors and conspiracies to circulate about what the ulterior motives are, being really clear and really transparent in you know, this is the goal we would like to meet. This is the process by which we think we can we can meet that goal. And here's, you know, an explanation of how we came to this decision. That can really go a long way with folks who are feeling like too much happens in the dark. All 
On this edition of Milledgeville Matters, you're listening to a candidate interview with Jessica McQuain, who is running for the 5th District seat on the Milledgeville City Council. Incumbent Richard Mullins declined participation in this candidate interview. Advanced voting for the 2021 municipal election began Tuesday, October 12th, and continues through Friday, October 29th at the Baldwin County Government Center, which is located at 1601 North Columbia Street. Saturday voting will occur on October 16th and 23rd. For more information about advanced and election day voting, you can contact the Baldwin County Board of Registrars at 478-445-4526. We'll be back in a moment with more of our conversation with Milledgeville City Council candidate Jessica McQuain. City Council do to make sure that current Milledgeville residents and people who want to move to our community have access to affordable housing? The affordable housing crisis is just, I mean, decades in the making, right? So it's a huge, huge issue that there aren't really any clear-cut, easy solutions to. I think one of the first things that we could do would be to really hold um, landlords accountable. As a renter, I experienced a a lot of frustration around, um, you know, the power that landlords hold over your life as well as the power that they hold in the market when there's, you know, a bunch of housing owned by the same person or the same um, company or corporation, you're very limited on um, the options that you have. So one of the first steps would be, I think, informing people of their rights. People need to know, tenants need to know that there are some protections in Georgia. There are some baselines that landlords are supposed to meet. There are safety regulations and at times when when tenants are unaware of that, landlords are able to get away with um, blatantly breaking code or slacking off on repairs or breaking um, the lease or raising rent in, in a fashion that's um, incompatible with the rules that are out there. So just education and accountability and then thinking about How do we invest in some of these neglected properties? How do we invest in abandoned properties and try to um, use what we have already as a way to create more affordable housing? I think that the moratorium on student housing was a good way to just try to pause and, and take an assessment of you know, where we stand, what the housing market currently looks like, and and how do we avoid this kind of um, rapid gentrification that so many college towns especially are dealing with. Um, if, if a patch of formerly, you know, affordable housing that's kind of been neglected just gets scooped up by a developer from out of town, and turned into shiny new student housing, that's not actually addressing the housing crisis, and it's not, um, you know, respecting the the history and the integrity of the neighborhoods who've been around, um, you know, in some parts of town, been around for well over 100 years. <laughs> so just making sure people have information, making sure that landlords and landowners are held accountable and then trying to explore avenues, whether those are um, you know, grant opportunities or land trust opportunities, just really we've got to be open to, to figuring out how we can make sure that none of our neighbors are living anywhere that's unsafe, anywhere that has you know, lead paint, um, anywhere that would be a hazard to children, especially because we know 
that some of the older housing and their components can be incredibly toxic to kids' development. Um, making sure that that people are are willing to um, to speak up when they notice, you know, that there's some sort of pattern of exploitation or abuse that's occurring within the housing market or within the rental market. Um, people need to know where they can go, who they can talk to, and how they can get resources to um, address the issues. Of course, Baldwin County is responsible for providing the existing public transportation system. But even in one of Georgia's smaller counties, the existing system is not enough to connect everyone to the educational, medical, commercial, and civic resources they require. What are your ideas about improving access to viable public transportation in our community? So I think that with public transportation and just accessibility to public spaces, we need to think about making sure that those, uh, whatever it is, sidewalks or buses are, are disability accessible. Um, I knew someone who had an incredibly difficult and traumatizing experience with the transportation available by the college because the sidewalk and the roadway where the bus pulls up to release people is uneven and it's um, slanted at a pretty significant angle. So trying to unload a wheelchair from one of those buses was a safety hazard because the ramp was sideways. And when this person brought the issue up to the college, the college said, well, the sidewalk belongs to the city. And so we can't do anything about it. So even in the cases where we do have something that resembles public transportation, there are ways that it's not accessible to everyone. And so taking a look at our sidewalks and asking, you know, could a wheelchair user reasonably actually be able to use this? Is this sidewalk um, well-maintained? Is it actually connecting people to the places they want to go? Is it safe or is it um, a hazard for pedestrians to potentially be hit by cars? That's a pretty, um, you know, basic starting, starting point level. But then we also need to think about the realities of the folks who don't have cars. It's incredibly difficult to get a job or to make it to your medical appointments if you don't have a car. And the public transportation that we do have, um, I think is not as well publicized as it could be. There could definitely be a little bit more information um, out there for folks to know that there is at least um, Monday through Friday from seven to six, a way for them to, to get around. Um, I don't have all the answers I don't know, you know, what would make the most sense for a community of this size. I think it would be phenomenal to have um, a bus route, you know, that, that made some kind of loop about town to where people could um, just jump on and make it from the south side up to Walmart or from the Walmart out to, um, you know, Central Georgia Tech or some of the the most trafficked and um, highest resources that people are actually trying to access. So yeah, I, I think figuring out what do people need, where do they need to go, what would the stops need to be, and kind of planning backwards from there would be my approach. On this edition of Milledgeville Matters, you're listening to a candidate interview with Jessica McQuain, who is running for the 5th District seat on the Milledgeville City Council. Incumbent Richard Mullins declined participation in this candidate interview. Advanced voting for the 2021 municipal election began Tuesday, October 12th, and continues through Friday, October 29th at the Baldwin County Government Center, which is located at 1601 North Columbia Street.
Saturday voting will occur on October 16th and 23rd. For more information about advanced and election day voting, you can contact the Baldwin County Board of Registrars at 478-445-4526. We'll be back in a moment with more of our conversation with Milledgeville City Council candidate Jessica McQuain. It is my opinion that downtown Milledgeville is a model of successful revitalization. But what can the city of Milledgeville do to help spur revitalization in other areas of our city? And where would you start? I would start with the MLK corridor. I was speaking with a business owner on that strip recently, and the lack of investment in that area has really been detrimental to a lot of our black-owned businesses in um, the MLK area between North Columbia and Jefferson. Um, there's been some fantastic revitalization in, in downtown Milledgeville. And that same level of excitement and passion and creativity definitely needs to be spread around. Um, I think along MLK, there are some well-established and really well-respected businesses. We've got Miss Stella's Restaurant, Genius Flowers, Foster's Meat Market. Um, those are a few that come to mind who've been around for quite some time and who have um, you know, continuously brought up some of the issues of neglected or abandoned buildings, that need to be either removed or um, massively overhauled and repaired. There are issues of litter and trash and issues of, um, of broken or inaccessible sidewalk. So I would want to start um, I would want to start right there. And then I think there's also a huge opportunity for, for some more development out towards the Central State area. And um, there's a real potential to use some of those buildings to establish uh, resources in the community, to establish places that perhaps would be walkable for more people rather than continuing to build upward and northward. Um, we could really look at the, the south side and at some of the pockets like the MLK corridor that have such a great um, kind of pearl buried underneath years of neglect and just a lack of um, really bringing that that creativity and um, you know so much of the amazing events that that the downtown area has. What are your ideas for making Milledgeville a better place to open, operate, and expand a business? Well, first we need to have some reliable and clean water. Um, no business is going to come open up shop in a place where they might not be able to have a bathroom at times, which is a real issue that downtown business owners have shared with me. Um, if you were running a hair salon, and suddenly you don't have access to water, your entire operation is going to grind to a halt. And I did work at a hair salon during a spree of boil water advisories and water main breaks, and the business was, was definitely affected, um, both in the cost of the lost business, because appointments had to be canceled, and the cost of repairing the... Um, infrastructure that was messed up by a bunch of like mud rushing up through the pipes when the water was restored. So we need strong infrastructure. We need reliable and safe water. We need good Wi-Fi um, and you know reliable broadband because those are the bones of any strong business. So for anybody to come in and try to build on top of 
a really weak structure, it's it's going to be really difficult to be successful. Um, whatever we can do to to be friendly to businesses, whether that's um, providing you know tax credits for um, actions that they take that are beneficial to the community, or whether that's um, providing a really great networking opportunity for business owners to come together and think about how they can support one another in addition to um, you know, complementing each other's um, business, whatever it is that they sell or whatever service it is that they provide. So you know, having a population of people with disposable income to spend at a business is also important. So there does have to be a, a kind of holistic look at um, all the components that make a place really friendly to business. If your you know, population is broke and doesn't have any money to go out shopping or dining or seeking you know, fun activities to do, then a business is going to have a really hard time um, you know, establishing a, a profit margin that's going to keep them viable. And what can we do right now to make sure that we are prepared to take advantage of economic opportunity when it comes knocking? Right now, what we can do to prepare for economic opportunity is to go ahead and think about the impacts that any new operation might have, whether it's a large manufacturing operation or a small, um, you know, digitally based company that wants to hire people to work from home. If we can kind of think about where there are vulnerabilities within our community and we can go ahead and try to um, safeguard those vulnerabilities by going ahead and dealing with projects that we can deal with, like making sure all the roads are you know, going to be safe for people to, to drive on, um, going ahead and making sure that you know, people are aware of the resources that we already have in the community and that they're, already, that they're plugged in, that they're getting updates, that they're you know, participating to the extent that they can in, in public life so that they're you know, aware when, when opportunities do come around, there's already a sense of, um, okay, well, we've been talking about this or we've been hoping that, a, you know, a group like this would be interested in coming in. Um, having people engaged is a good way to go ahead and prepare and continually just building good relationships between people. Um, if there's a community that is um, going to be directly impacted by a business coming in that people in a different part of town didn't even think about, you know, the, the impacts that it would have. There needs to be a way for them to communicate. There needs to be some sense of, oh, well, my neighbors care about this, so I should, you know, speak up and say, hey, if you put this gas station here, then we're never going to be able to turn out of our house to get the kids to school or whatever the you know, the issue may be. Um, we need to be, I think, opening up as many lines of communication as we can and not just on the Internet. <laughs> People need to communicate, um, you know, in an offline fashion as well, whether that's a, you know, phone calls to a neighbor or just simply saying hello on, on an evening walk or, even writing letters to um, to folks, there there has to be that kind of um, trust built up so that when these opportunities do arise, people are actually comfortable um, speaking up about the impacts that they think that it'll have, whether good or bad. Um, because a location that may not be right for a business in one area could be right for a different kind of business or there could be a different area in town that um, folks would welcome whatever the investment was, um, whereas other people might find it more of an inconvenience or 
even a detriment to their population or to their environment. On this edition of Milledgeville Matters, you're listening to a candidate interview with Jessica McQuain, who is running for the 5th District seat on the Milledgeville City Council. Incumbent Richard Mullins declined participation in this candidate interview. Advanced voting for the 2021 municipal election began Tuesday, October 12th and continues through Friday, October 29th at the Baldwin County Government Center, which is located at 1601 North Columbia Street. Saturday voting will occur on October 16th and 23rd. For more information about advanced and election day voting, you can contact the Baldwin County Board of Registrars at 478-445-4526. We'll be back in a moment with more of our conversation with Milledgeville City Council candidate Jessica McQuain. And so we're coming towards the close of our conversation now. Um, and so these are kind of uh, more reflective questions. Uh, we are living through a challenging time in our nation's history. What must elected officials do to help pull our nation and our communities together? And how will you work toward that effort during your next term in office? So I think the role of any elected official in any capacity, no matter the location, is to be very honest and transparent about the history and about the the shoulders that they stand on. Um, within the South, within Georgia, within Milledgeville, we do have a history of disenfranchising our African American and Black neighbors, um, other neighbors of color. We have a history of um, not being open to listening to people's, you know, complaints or concerns. Fifty years ago, there was um, a lot of civil rights activism in Milledgeville, and the city's response was not great. <laughs> and to be able to acknowledge that and to be able to try to reconcile some of the past um, is very important to me. It doesn't matter that I wasn't alive in 1971. It doesn't matter that I didn't live here or have anything to do with that at that time. There are still people who are alive who remember um, the reaction of, of the Milledgeville government when folks were trying to make their voices heard and when folks were participating in what was at the time, you know, a national or global um, civil rights movement. And that history has been so largely erased or silenced. Um, I think for especially a lot of the white members of the community, there's very little awareness that there was any kind of um, unrest in Milledgeville and that there were these mass arrests during what was on all accounts of a peaceful demonstration. So being willing to to be honest and to um, really address some of the continuing legacies of um, from the Jim Crow era, from the reactions to the civil rights movements of the 60s. There has to be a willingness to be honest and to not pretend that it's all behind us. We know it's not all behind us, right? We were dealing with so many of the same um, core issues this past summer during the uprisings, even you know, to this day, there are still continuing conversations about what does it mean to be just? What does it mean to be equitable? What does it mean to be a good neighbor? Not in the sense that some of us were raised where you just sit down and be quiet and don't you know, speak up, but to be a good neighbor and be also an advocate to be um, an accomplice in pointing out that injustice is continuing and that we have an opportunity because it's a national conversation, because it's a conversation that is ongoing, we have an opportunity to say what does 
justice look like for Milledgeville? And I can't decide that. I think the people who have been impacted need to be deciding what does that look like? What does it look like to, you know, institute an equitable policy on the issue of cannabis when we have, you know, a medical facility coming to the south side, an area that's been disproportionately hit by policing and by the effects of the war on drugs. What does it look like for us in Milledgeville? Not not what does anybody else think it looks like. What do our neighbors, what do they think that it looks like for us to actually try to right some of these wrongs and try to correct the best we can the course that we're on? How do we make sure that we don't have, you know, one population of folks getting absolutely just devastated by the effects of the war on drugs and then another population who's given a free pass because everybody makes mistakes. We need to be having these conversations um, with an open mind, with an open heart, and with a little bit of um, grace for one another that we may say the wrong thing or we may be mistaken or we may have bad ideas. But as long as you're showing up in good faith and you're trying to learn, um, I think that that's a good position to be in. So as a, you know, a city council person, I would really, I would love to see more conversations taking place. I would love to see, um, you know, a reconciliation committee or some kind of of real effort to look at um, where we've been and look at where we want to go and to not just put it in the hands of, you know, the the few elected people. Um, It's got to be the everyday folks. It's got to be every corner of Milledgeville, every corner of Baldwin County coming together to figure out um, how do we make this the best place for everyone because we we rise together. Um, There is no, um, you know, hurting of one group without hurting everybody else. So as an elected official, I think it's your responsibility to to try to really address and not just glide over and say, well, that's in the past and, well, that's before my term. So, you know, there's, there is no unlinking ourselves from the past. It's a, it's a long chain. Um, so we can't change what happened, but we can try to fashion the links that we actually want and that will actually serve us for the future. I want to thank you for taking the time to talk to our radio audience today and to share with them uh, your ideas for making our community one that we all uh, cherish and celebrate and uh, want to live in and raise the next generation in. Uh, One way of doing that um, is to uh, reserve these last moments of our conversation uh, for you to speak directly to our radio audience uh, by answering the question, why should they vote for you? Well, you should vote for me because I'm a person just like you who wants to listen, who wants to work, who wants to show up for my neighbors. You should vote for me because I'm not a politician. I'm a person. I care about people. I have lived in multiple different sides of town. I've seen some really similar issues in multiple neighborhoods, and then I've seen really different issues in in neighborhoods as well. So I have a well-rounded perspective. I take the time to listen, to consider all possible angles, and to consider the outcome. And I always, always consider who's being left out, who's being ignored, and who is missing from this conversation. So in every effort that I make, I want to bring people in who aren't having their voices lifted up. 
So if you are tired of feeling like people don't care or like you don't have any kind of voice in your local, you know, government or the just your neighborhood, then you should vote for me because I want to hear your voice. I want to hear what it is that makes you worry, but I also want to hear what it is that makes you hopeful, and I want to hear the good things that you like about Milledgeville because they may be different than the things that I like. And in that diversity and in that wealth of experience and perspective, we are stronger and there's no one in our community who is disposable. Jess McQuain, I want to thank you very much for taking the time to talk to our radio audience today on Milledgeville Matters. Thank you. You've been listening to a conversation with one of the two candidates campaigning for the 5th District seat on the Milledgeville City Council. Challenger Jessica McQuain is a field organizer for the United Campus Workers of Georgia. She also operates a wedding planning and officiating business. Incumbent Richard Mullins is a retiree who has served on City Council since 2002. Richard Mullins declined a request to participate in this candidate interview. Both candidates are running in the November 2nd general election. Advanced voting for the 2021 municipal election began Tuesday, October 12th and continues through Friday, October 29th at the Baldwin County Government Center located at 1601 North Columbia Street. Saturday voting will occur on October 16th and 23rd. For more information about advanced voting and election day voting, you can contact the Baldwin County Board of Registrars at 478-445-4526. On behalf of WRGC 88.3 FM, I have been your host, Daniel McDonald. I want to thank you for spending this portion of your evening with me here on Milledgeville Matters. I hope you enjoyed our time together. I want you to know that I look forward to convening with you again next time.